Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The book of Genesis is not so much a history of man as it is the first chapter in the history of the redemption of man. This book is divided into four great events and four great people. The four great events are creation, fall of man into sin, the flood, and the development of nations. The four great people are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. The book of Genesis is explanatory of all the other major themes of Scripture. By implication and anticipation, the thoughts and thrust of all Scripture is found in Genesis in embryo form. One commentator says, All the roots of subsequent revelation are planted deep in Genesis, and whoever would truly comprehend that revelation must begin here. In Genesis, we discover the major themes that appear in the New Testament. The institution of marriage, the fall of man into sin, the jealousy of Cain, the judgment of the flood, the rival sons of promise and of the flesh, the profanity of Esau, the pilgrim status of God's people on a journey to heaven. All of these and so much more are prominent New Testament themes that are begun in Genesis. Then there are the parallels between Genesis as the first book of the Bible and Revelation as the last book of the Bible. Genesis asks the question, how did it all begin? Revelation answers the question, how will it all end? Genesis starts with man and woman in the tree of life. In Revelation 22, history ends with God's redeemed people gathered around the tree of life in eternity. Genesis is an explanation of the fact of Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Let's look at verse 1. The first phrase, in the beginning God, is the starting place for everything else. We begin with the language of faith, not the language of discursive reasoning. Man's discursive reasoning based on his own understanding apart from God's revelation leads him to make mistakes. 
It was depending on human reason and rejecting faith in God's revelation that appeared in the Enlightenment period and then eventually led to secular humanism and atheism. Nietzsche, the atheistic philosopher, argued that with God dead and man too weak to live without rules, inevitably the state, the new idol, will be set up as an arbitrary absolute forcing men to serve itself rather than to serve God. This, my friends, is precisely where we are in 2021. The state all around the world is slowly gaining ascendancy until it will one day coerce all mankind to obey it. It is only faith in God, dependence upon God, and obedience to God that leads to illumination and understanding of the truth. All of the isms, secularism, humanism, communism, socialism, totalitarianism, lead to despair. Faith, trust, and dependence upon God leads to joy and light and peace and truth. Verse 1 continues, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This is an introductory statement as if to say the beginning of the world was thus. God is the starting place of all discovery. The word God dominates this whole first chapter of Genesis. It is used 35 times in 31 verses. God is the first and the last, the beginning and the ending of all. If we start with God, a coherent and congruent worldview develops. If we start with man's unaided human reasoning apart from God's revelation, we will end up in totalitarianism, manipulation, and the destruction of human freedom. The word create means to achieve something completely new. It affirms the notion of ex nihilo, out of nothing, that is absolutely important for a true understanding of God and creation. Everything that exists originates from God. The word create is a special Hebrew verb for the act of creation by God himself. Man creates poetry, music, literature, and architectural wonders, but he cannot create something out of nothing. The kind of create in verse 1 is done by God alone. It refers to him making something simply by speaking it into existence. Other ancient Near Eastern creation stories from Egypt and Mesopotamia assume that their gods worked with material that already existed. However, what the Bible teaches is that at the point of the beginning, there was nothing apart from God, and what came into being was brought into being by Him. John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Another thing that verse 1 tells us is that matter is not eternal, as evolutionary theory demands. Carl Sagan was a Harvard professor and prominent teacher of evolutionary theory. He taught that matter always existed without a cause. This is an example of discursive reasoning reaching conclusions apart from revelation which are erroneous. Verse 1b of Genesis says, 
and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. The Spirit brooded over the waters like a mother bird brooding over her hatching eggs. It is a picture of tender love for young baby birds, just hatching and needing care, attention, and protection. It is very instructive that the Holy Spirit is mentioned so early in the Bible. Theologian Timothy Ware says that the whole aim of the Christian life is nothing but the daily acquisition of the Holy Spirit. We are not to grieve the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. We are not to quench the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. We are to walk by the Spirit, Galatians 5.16. We are to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. We must remember that the Holy Spirit is our constant companion and helper. He is called the paraclete the one who comes alongside of us, to fill us with his presence and help us choose the path of righteousness and obedience. It is the Holy Spirit who brings us into God's kingdom and allows that kingdom to be present among us, even as we wait for the consummation of the kingdom at the end of time. Verse 2 says, The earth was empty without form and shapeless. This does not imply, as some modern scholars have asserted, a gap theory of thousands of years between verse 1 and 2. If we take the verse at face value, it simply means that starting from an empty canvas, God lovingly gave form to the earth and filled it with living beings. Verse 3 and 4, why would the creation begin with the making of light? Because light is evidence of the presence of energy, which is warmth. The warmth of God, who is the purest form of energy, spoke and light came into being. We begin with light because of the great theological significance of light. In the morning prayer service, we read, From the night season our soul awaketh early unto thee, O our God, for thy precepts are a light upon the earth. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding, lest at any time we sleep unto death in sins. Dispel all darkness from our hearts. Make us children of the light and of the day. Light, which brings warmth, is the starting place or foundation of the entire Christian life. God is light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We are not to walk in the darkness of sin, but in the light of God's truth. Because we were created in a relationship of dependence upon God, we must always be praying, Teach me to do the thing that pleases Thee, O Lord, for Thou art my God. We do not know what pleases the Lord unless we receive light from His Holy Word to know what pleases Him. God is our light. His truth illuminates our minds, hearts, and souls. We have no light within ourselves until we surrender our wills to Him and receive His light. Look at verses 6 through 8. On the second day of creation, God made an expanse to separate the waters above from the waters below. This created the sky, or what God calls heavens, with waters above and heavens with waters below. 
On the third day, God gathered the waters below the heavens into one place and made dry land appear. He then made the earth to sprout vegetation, trees, plants, and seed-bearing life. Evolutionists contend that vegetation, trees, and plants require long periods of time to develop. It is much simpler and more elegant to affirm that God created fully mature plants, trees, and fruit trees bearing fruit. God instantaneously, supernaturally spoke these creations into existence, and God saw that it was good, and evening and morning were the third day. On the fourth day, God made the sun and moon as light in the heavens to govern day and night and to separate light from darkness. He also made the stars as a display of his glory. Astrologers use the stars and planets for guidance. This is misguided foolishness. God says that the stars and planets are simply for a display of his mighty power and glory. Psalm 19 says the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament declares the work of his hands. In verse 20 to 23 of Genesis 1, God created living creatures in the oceans and the birds of the heavens. He created great sea monsters, sharks, whales, crocodiles, the great white shark, the octopus, and the dolphin, the giant squid deep in the ocean, the eels, skates, sea lions, turtles, and living coral species along with hundreds of brilliantly colored fish filling the ocean with their exquisite beauty. Next, God created all the land animals, cattle, oxen, horses, sheep, goats, lions, leopards, elephants, jaguars, tigers, snow leopards, rhinoceros, polar bears, apes, cheetah, and all the rest of the land animals. He then created all kinds of creeping creatures, caterpillars, insects, snails, ladybugs, beautiful snakes, dragonflies, lizards, and toads, centipedes, spiders, ants, flies, and all the thousands of other species of creeping things. Then in verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Genesis portrays man as in nature and yet over nature, as both continuous with nature and discontinuous with it. Man shares the sixth day with the other land animals. He is made of dust as they are. He feeds as they feed. He needs his daily bread and water. He reproduces in a similar way as the land animals. But there is an enormous difference. 
God said, let us make, in verse 26. And this contrasts with, let the earth bring forth, in verse 24. God made man in his image and likeness. This is monumentally important, my friends. Image and likeness refers to several things. We are rational and morally responsible beings, knowing right from wrong. Our conscience tells us if we are acting uprightly and following the path of righteousness, or if we have veered off into the path of sin. We are created with the capacity to live in union and communion with the living God. We must have fellowship and relationship with our Creator. We are created in a relationship of dependence upon God. He is our source. He is our life. He is our strength. We are stamped with God's declaration of ownership. Man does not belong to himself. He belongs to God. We come from God, we live by God's power, and we return to God at death. Man has a spiritual, invisible, and immortal soul. He is also endowed with knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Now this word image in the Hebrew language means shadow. Man stands on the earth as God's shadow, reflecting his nature, qualities, personality, and character. Now, in verse 27, we read that God made man male and female. Man is one being in two forms, male and female. This is an allusion to the institution of holy marriage between one man and one woman for the purpose of continuing the human race. The reason why Satan loves to create gender confusion and strife between genders is because it is an attack against the fundamental nature of man. Male and female are one being in two forms. They are made to join together in a complementary union for the propagation of the human race. Verse 28 says, Let the man rule over nature. We see the verbs rule over, have dominion, and subdue. Now, what are these terms? They are kingly terms. To rule, to have dominion, to subdue is the work of a monarch. Why would Moses use kingly terminology to describe Adam? Because of the decidedly anti-king stance that pervades the rest of the scriptures. In 1 Samuel 8, we read, And the elders of Israel came to Samuel and said to him, Make us a king to judge over us like all the other nations. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me in asking that I not reign over them. There is only one true king. And this true king is God. Earthly kings were a concession to man's weakness after the fall. Moses uses kingly terminology to set up the reader of Genesis to understand the terrible results of the curse of God upon man in Genesis chapter 3 as the result of sin and disobedience. 
Now, on the positive side of the idea of Adam having dominion over the earth is the notion of stewardship. Man is to be a good steward of the earth God created. Today, man's sin of selfishness and greed has led us to forget that God anointed us to be good stewards of the earth. For centuries, we have been worshiping the false gods of prosperity, gluttony, and consumption, while abusing the earth and ignoring our stewardship responsibilities. Today, there are numerous rainforests that have been depleted and hundreds of species of God's animals become extinct due to man's irresponsibility. What we learn from the teaching of Genesis chapter 1 is that all of these aspects of the biblical account of creation conflict with modern evolutionary theory. Finally, let's look at chapter 2, the first three verses, which is the conclusion of the creation story in chapter 1. And God blessed the Sabbath day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Why did God bless the seventh day and rest in it? Certainly not because he was tired. God has limitless strength and energy and never tires. The rest here is the rest of achievement and clearly foreshadows the establishment of the Sabbath day. The Sabbath is a day of rest for the people of God. It is a time of rejoicing and celebration of God and His works. It is a day to acknowledge God as God and reflect upon His wonderful achievements. In Isaiah 58.13 we read, If you turn away your foot from doing your own pleasure on the Sabbath day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then you will delight in the Lord. Now, some Christians have argued that we are no longer under the strict observance of the Old Testament Sabbath laws. This is true in reference to all the stipulations and regulations for the Sabbath day. There were actually 39 categories of work prohibited by the Old Testament Sabbath regulations. These included things like carrying, burning, writing, cooking, washing, sowing, plowing, reaping, and harvesting. But the moral principle of the fourth commandment continues as part of our obedience to the Lord. The Old Testament Sabbath has been transferred to the Lord's day of rest and worship. Hebrews chapter 4 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Let us be diligent to enter into that rest. Since the rest of Christ is his finished work of salvation on the cross and the promise of a final future rest at his second coming, the Christian church observes a day of rest and worship as a sign and type of that coming day. Sabbath day rest is a delight. It is a privilege, not a burden. We have the joy of refraining from normal work and giving ourselves to the reading of Scripture, to worship, to meditation, to singing, 
to the reading of spiritual books and physical rest and enjoyment on Sunday. I know of one godly family that comes home from church and after the Sunday meal, everyone goes to bed and rests. Then the family awakens to take walks together, to play together, or to read. This family takes literally the injunction to keep the Sabbath day holy and refrain from their own work. It is also interesting that in Marxism and Communism, the essence of a man is his work. Marxism wants worker bees who will keep the system of Communism going. This is the direction the modern state is taking mankind in 2021. We are becoming groomed to become merely working units in the great machinery of production. In God's perspective, man is not notable primarily for his work, but for his worship. Man is not homo faber, the one who works with tools. Man is homo adorans, the creature who worships. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G A U D E T E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint.